So again, this morning, we're burning the prayers from 2023. We've had the prayer wall now for five years. It's hard to believe it's been that long already. Concept is simple. Write down a prayer, something you want to say to God, and you put it in the wall. Uh, prayer is something that seems abstract. We often pray in our heads, uh, but God wants our faith to be concrete. You know, faith impacts our actions. And so with the wall, we can pray by physically doing something, which makes prayer a little more concrete. In 2023, many of you know, I'm a numbers junkie. In 2023, we had over 2,400 prayers put in the wall. And the faith impact of that cannot be overstated. That's a really big deal. Um, over 2,400 times, people from the TFRC community took a concrete step of faith to pray to God. And just in case you're wondering, I do have the number for total number of prayers of the past five years that have gone into the wall. And that number is well over 10,000. Over 10,000 times people from TFRC community have put a prayer in that wall. I find that absolutely amazing, 10,000 prayers. Uh, we have a prayer team that meets by that wall every Monday. Now, they don't touch any of the prayers in the wall. The prayers never get read by anyone. Uh, but every Monday, the prayer team will pray in front of the wall. And one thing they pray for are the requests in the wall, again, without looking at them. Scripture describes our prayers like smoke rising to the Lord. And earlier this week, the elders took the 2,400 prayers out of the wall. This container um, has some of those prayers. We burned some of them last service. We're going to burn the rest of them uh, this service. And uh, this has become a meaningful moment for us. Now, in the days of Jesus, the Israelites would burn incense in the temple in Jerusalem signifying the prayers of the people. Every day, a priest would go into something that was called the holy place, which was in the temple, and they would go to something called the altar of incense, which was in the holy place in the temple. Um, and that altar um, contained incense that they would burn, and the smoke of that incense would go to, before a curtain. And behind that curtain was the holy of holies, where it was believed a special manifestation of God's presence resided. Now, the incense smoke going before the Holy of Holies represented the prayers going up before the Lord. There is one story in the New Testament that occurs during this practice of the burning of incense. You can find it in our scripture for this morning, Luke chapter 1, verses 5 to 22. Go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. Uh, Luke is the third book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, and then Luke. Uh, you can also look Luke 1 up on your phones. Um, but this is a story of a priest named Zechariah going to light the incense in the holy place in the temple. And it happened twice every day. However, this time, something amazing occurs. Our scripture reader for this morning is Elizabeth Mashak. Elizabeth, please make your way up to the podium. As she does, I'm going to ask that you, are, if you are able, please stand and face the center of the room. We stand because we believe this is the word of God, and we read from the center of the room to remind us that scripture is to be central in our lives. So Elizabeth, whenever you're ready, please read from Luke chapter 1, verses 5 to 22. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once, 
when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord." Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until this day happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. Elizabeth, thank you very much. You may be seated. Now, um, as a pastor, I often visit people in the hospital. One time I was visiting a young family whose three-year-old daughter was in the hospital. And when I entered the room, the little girl was crying. Now, it's not uncommon when I go visit someone in the hospital, something's beeping or the TV's on or there's some kind of distraction. And so, you know, the fact that the girl was crying really didn't distract me from the visit. So I just proceeded my visit with the family. Now, I usually wait to pray with people until right, right before I end the visit. Um, but it was probably only 10 minutes into the visit, and the girl still really, really hadn't stopped crying. And the mom was understandably getting agitated. And so a nurse came in, gave the girl some medicine, which she said would calm her down in like 20 minutes or so. And so then the nurse left, and I just, we continued our visit. And it was about three minutes. It was about three minutes. And the mom had had enough of the crying. And she looked at me and she said, can you do something? Can you pray or something to get her to stop crying? Now, my thinking was, hey, the medicine's going to kick in in like 15 minutes, but okay, I'm not going to refuse the prayer request. And so I prayed for the girl to feel good enough to fall asleep. I figured it was a fairly safe prayer because she was going to fall asleep in 15 minutes anyway. Um, so I finished my prayer. I said, amen. And 90 seconds later, the girl was sleeping. Now, pastor confession time. My immediate thought was not, thank you, Lord, for answering my prayer. My immediate thought was, wow, the medicine really kicked in fast. 
So I prayed, God answered my prayer, and I didn't believe it. And this happens to us all the time. We pray, God answers our prayers, and we don't believe it. We have some other explanation for what had happened. And then there are times when we pray, and God doesn't answer our prayers like we want, and then we question his existence. So it's really important for us to recognize and respond when God actually answers our prayers. And responding when God answers our prayers depends on a couple of factors. And the first is the conditions in which the prayer is offered. Now, conditions are just the situation and circumstances that we find ourselves in when we pray. Going back to the passage in Luke 1, verse 5, where it says, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. So Zechariah is a priest and not just anybody could become a priest. You had to have the right bloodline. You had to be a descendant of Aaron. Aaron, who was Moses' brother long, long ago. Now, he is married to Elizabeth, who is a daughter of a priest. It says that she also is a descendant of Aaron. So that means that her, um, somewhere in her lineage, she has a father or grandfather who is also a priest. And it was a special blessing for a priest to be married to a daughter of one. And they, it says, were faithful to God and they were childless. And they were past the age of childbearing. They were very old, it says. The odds of them having a child are basically zero. That was their condition. What is your condition when you pray? Or even right now, what are you facing? You see, there's a difference between praying for healing when you have a cold and praying for healing when you have cancer. There's a difference between praying for reconciliation when you have a minor dispute with your spouse versus praying for reconciliation when you're on the verge of divorce. See, what makes Zechariah and Elizabeth's situation harder is that they were righteous and childless. That didn't make sense because the expectation was God would give children to those who are faithful to him, but they are faithful and childless. It doesn't make sense. They're old now. The days of them hoping for a child are gone. That possibility is over. So the situation for them in that circumstance is dire. Now the irony of this, of our conditions, is that when the situation is dire, and we pray and God answers our prayer, we are more likely to believe that God answered our prayer than if the situation wasn't so bad. If I have a cold and I pray for God to heal me and then I get better, there's a really good chance that I don't think twice about God's role in my healing from the cold. However, if I have stage four cancer and I pray for God to heal me, and then I get better. 
I am highly likely to praise God and give him the credit for healing me. So we will praise God for delivering us from dire conditions. But let's make sure that we don't overlook God's role from delivering us from everyday ones as well. God heals our colds just like he heals our cancer. So whether it's the dire or the everyday, what is it you're facing? A second factor in our response to God answering prayers is our prayer conduct. What in this passage is Zechariah doing? Well, going back to verse 8, where it says, Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. Now, for Zechariah... Prayer was an instrumental part of his life. In this passage, he's offering incense as a way of offering prayers for the people. This was a great honor. It was a great privilege. A priest would only get to do this once Once in their life. It wasn't uncommon for some priests to never get to do this. You see, there were a lot more priests than sacred duties. So you had 24 divisions of priests. Each division would serve twice a year, one week each time, and then that division would cast lots to determine who got to serve. And many priests never got to do what we read Zechariah is doing. Now, I just want to highlight how this was set up in the temple for Zechariah. This diagram is oriented. We're north at the top. Um, And so this is just a temple layout. Uh, You enter the holy place from the east. So we would enter from the right as we are looking at it. Now there would be three items and only three items in the holy place. The orange is the table of showbread. The green is the menorah. The blue is the altar of incense. And to the left of that, that line, that black line, would represent the curtain the curtain next to the Holy of Holies. So Zechariah would walk in from the east, offer the prayers, light the incense, and then go out. And the smoke from the incense would go to the curtain, representing the prayers going up to God. Now, at some point, as he's walking towards that altar, he sees an angel to the right of it. Now, directions were oriented as if you were facing east. So in this situation, the right would mean that the angel is below our blue square. Zechariah is alone in this room. There'd be no one else in this room. So, of course, when he sees an angel in there with him, he would be afraid. But the bottom line is, prayer was an important part of Zechariah's life. So lighting this altar of incense would be a big deal. And a simple question for us is, well, how often are we praying? Because the bigger deal prayer is for us, the more we pray, and the more we pray, the more we expect God to answer. As it says in Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How often are you praying? 
So when it comes to recognizing God's answering prayers, our conditions matter, our prayer conduct matters, and what we care about matters. Going back to the passage in verse 13, where it says, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. We pray for what we care about. Now, Zechariah is burning incense, the offering of prayers, and he is told, your prayer has been answered. What did Zechariah pray for? We don't know. The passage doesn't tell us. Now, from the angel's response... There are two possibilities that I think are safe to speculate on. First, and probably most would be the first guess for most of us, would be that Zechariah prayed for a son. And so Zechariah prays for this, a son, but God doesn't just give him a son. He gives him a son who will help bring Israel back to God. Now, the only problem with that possibility of him praying for a son is he is serving as a priest in the holy place. That is not a time for personal prayer requests. Zechariah is a priest offering prayers on behalf of God's people. That's what priests do. And so while it's possible Zechariah offered a personal prayer request, it would have been odd for him to make such an appeal and request. So the second possibility is that as a priest offering a prayer or prayers on behalf of all of Israel, he was praying for the deliverance of Israel. And if that's the case, God answers his prayer for, his, for deliverance for Israel. And he says, I'm going to help bring deliverance for Israel through your son that I am going to give you. Now, regardless of which is the case, God just doesn't answer his prayer. God goes above and beyond what Zechariah asks for. And his son is to be named John. John means the Lord is gracious. The more we realize when God answers prayer, the more we realize how gracious God is. What do you care about? What are you asking for? You see, Jesus died for our sins. Jesus rose from the dead. That actually happened, and it changes everything. God cares about our concerns. It's a common line of thinking to kind of just assume that God has more important things to worry about than our problems and our concerns. You know, we've got world hunger. We've got wars. We've got oppression. We've got corruption. 
There's all sorts of big ticket items that would probably be a better use of God's time. Why, with all these big ticket items going on in the world, why would God care about me getting a promotion at work? Or why would God care about my sinus infection? Or why would God care about my dog? Jesus died for our sins because God loves us. God cares about us. And because God loves us and God cares about us, God cares about our concerns. Now that doesn't mean he's gonna do anything we want him to do. He often doesn't. But if something matters to you, God will pay attention to it. If something matters to you, that's enough to get God's attention. So when it comes to prayer, there are conditions and conduct and cares, but there's also confidence. Going back to the passage, verse 18, where Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. Now here's what I find amazing. The more dire the situation, the more likely we will believe that God answered our prayer. The more we believe in prayer, the more likely we will believe God answered our prayer. The more we care about something, the more likely we will believe that God answered our prayer. Zechariah cared about having kids. Zechariah believed in prayer. And Zechariah was in a dire situation. And God answers his prayer, and Zechariah doesn't believe it. His response is disbelief. Now, at this point, he doesn't know if Elizabeth is pregnant. So on the one hand, it's reasonable to doubt, for him to doubt that he was going to have a child. I get that. But on the other hand, there's an angel right there telling him. Zechariah is in the holy place in the temple in Jerusalem, serving as a priest, lighting the altar of incense, which is the prayers of the people going up to God, an angel shows up and gives him great news and he doesn't believe it. Ay, ay, ay. What does God have to do? And brothers and sisters, sometimes it's that simple. When you pray and God answers your prayers, do you believe it? When you see it in life, there are rubber meets the road moments. And when it comes to answered prayer, we've all had prayers answered and we have to wonder, was that really God acting? We've all had those moments. Do we believe it when we see it? Now, some people have a worldview of, you know, God kind of has to prove it kind of thing. So, you know, the thinking goes, well, if God does this, then I'll believe. Or if God does that, then I'll believe. Well, I've got some news for you if that's sort of how your worldview is. Whatever this is, whatever that is, God will do this, God will do that, and you still won't believe. God answers prayers all the time. And we come up with other explanations for what happened. 
And we will all have moments when we have to answer that question. Do we believe it when we see it? Pharaoh, he didn't believe the wonders of the Exodus. In Jesus' day, the religious leaders didn't believe the miracles of Jesus. If God does this, I'll believe. If God does that, I'll believe. No, you won't. At some point, we have to take a step of faith and believe it when we see it. And so the last factor when God answers prayers is being convinced. Going back to verse 19, the angel said to him, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he said, why he stayed so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. So the angel comes and says, I stand in the presence of the Lord. His name is Gabriel. What was believed in that day was that Gabriel was one of the seven archangels that stood in the presence of the Lord. So this is kind of an embarrassing moment for Zechariah. He doesn't believe an archangel. And so Gabriel says, since you didn't believe me, here's what we're going to do to convince you. You won't be able to speak until your son is born. Well, now Zechariah has a conundrum. Because one thing I haven't told you yet is after the priest lights the altar of incense and then walks out of the holy place and walks back to the worshipers who are assembled, the very first thing he's supposed to do is to pronounce a blessing. And so Aaron come, or Zechariah comes out and he can't speak, which is a problem because he's supposed to give a blessing now. And so he starts motioning with his arms, trying to explain why he can't give the blessing. And that removed all doubt from his mind before he ever got home to Elizabeth. As it says in James 1, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. It is not okay to pray for something and then not believe it when God answers. That is not okay. What will it take you to convince you that God acted? Now, I know I just said in my last point, not to put conditions on believing God answered your prayer. What I mean by this question, what will it take to convince you that God acted, is that it takes a step of faith. It takes one step of faith to pray, but it takes another step of faith to believe when God answers. We pray for God to act, and then God acts, whether it's exactly how we expected or at least it was in the ballpark of how we expected. When that happens, be convinced. It will always take an act of faith to believe when God actually answers our prayer. These are the prayers from the wall from 2023. And if at any time during the last year, you put a prayer on the wall, I want you to think about 
what some of those prayers were. And we pray for all kinds of things. Health and jobs, finances, relationships, parents, friends, children, difficult situations of all sorts. Maybe you prayed in a dire situation or an everyday one. Maybe you prayed every day or just one time. But think about the prayers from this past year. Now I'm going to ask one of our elders, Brandon Ginnert, to come forward. So Brandon, come on forward. And he's going to take these prayers and burn them in the fire outside. And we will have that on the screen uh, for you to watch. So here's what we're going to do. Last couple of weeks, I've been asking you to share how God has answered your prayers from 2023. And I've received quite a few, actually. And I'm going to read them all. And so during the burning of the prayers, I'm going to share some of your answered prayers. And the question I want all of us to think about is, do we believe that God had anything to actually do with them when they were answered? And if you're like me, when you're anxious about something, you pray about it. And then when it turns out in your favor, you totally forget that you prayed about it and that God answered your prayer. So as the prayers are burned, I want us to reflect. Do we see how God has answered any of our prayers from 2023? Our love for dogs is profound. We've rescued 48 dogs since we've moved here, keeping many. We adopted Wrigley in 2012, a sweet, beautiful black lab mix who was two when we brought her to our family. This past December, she was diagnosed with lung cancer. After watching her deteriorate and struggle, we made an appointment to put her down. The day before our appointment, I prayed over and over, please God, take this beautiful animal today. End her suffering and let her die with us, not at the vet. Spare her and us this anguish. Please, God, take her today. My husband got home early, took her for a ride in his truck, which was one of her favorite things to do, and then he brought her home. And she went behind the sofa and settled for a while, and a few minutes later, my daughter found that she had passed, sparing her and us any more suffering. And God had answered my diligent prayers to end her suffering while with her family at home. God is good. When our pets become a treasured family member, as our dogs do, God's grace even reaches to them. How cool is that? And remember, God cares about our concerns. My husband passed away in February, and one of his worries was about my financial situation after he died. We did have one bill that we relied on his Social Security to cover each month. And after he died, I didn't know how I was going to pay it. Before he died, we had obtained a van that we made wheelchair accessible in order to get him around. After he was gone, I put the van up for sale and received twice the amount we had paid for it. I was able to pay off that one bill, which worried us. God provided the van to get him around before he died and paid off my debt with it after. God always takes care of me. I have a friend who is dying, and I and the prayer group have been praying for her, and she was reunited with her son this past Christmas. God is faithful. 
My sister, who has cerebral palsy, was hours away from total organ failure in early November. As she's largely uncommunicative, we didn't understand the signs over a few months until it was almost too late. I sat in the hospital and I had a chat with God and I said, please God, my sister has been so challenged her whole life, she's 59, and made it through cancer and a double mastectomy over a decade ago. And you healed her. Please do not let her suffer. She's had a hard enough life. If it's her time, let it be now, but please heal her and bring her back to where she was. Six weeks later and she is happy, thriving, off the oxygen, and happily cruising with her walker. The doctors, home health folks, and therapists are each in awe of her recovery, considering her dire condition. It was all God. We found out we were pregnant in December of 2022. The stress of having a baby at my age weighed heavily on my mind, given all the things that could go wrong. The tests the doctors want you to take and the possible complications were a lot to take in. I have a tendency to overthink and stress about things outside of my control. He gave me his steadfast assurance that this was his blessing to us, and I just needed to take care of myself by making healthy choices for me and the baby. In mid-July, we welcomed our beautiful, healthy baby boy. God was with us each step of the way, answering our prayers and showing us his grace and mercy. 2023 was full of ups and downs for our family. Being a mom of adult children can be more overwhelming than when they're at home. There were multiple times I put a slip of paper in the prayer wall asking God to provide for and show up in big ways for my kids. Both of our children landed what they believed to be their dream jobs this year. New adventures, new experiences, and new responsibilities gave both of them great joy. However, one of them got laid off right before Christmas, and it was difficult to watch the discouragement. And yet God continued to show up in such amazing ways to provide not only for some of their bills, but also to provide a new, better job. Throughout the year, I watched as God walked with our family when we were on the mountaintops and in the valleys of despair and every place in between. My husband had successful surgery in California. My husband was well after a life flight to Boise. My husband was well after a car accident, and God helped with the financial stress of a new vehicle. My son graduated high school and is now on a good career path. I prayed for and with the refugee family to find a home for almost a year, and they are now in an apartment. I had a medical issue that has been ongoing since I was 22. I have been to five different doctors and had eight outpatient procedures. Nothing worked. I changed my lifestyle, tried different supplements. Nothing worked. Ultimately this year, I decided to take a step of faith and ask for prayer and laying on of hands. I am so proud to say I've been symptom-free for almost eight months, where normally I would have symptoms every two or three weeks. Ultimately, after nothing worked, the Lord worked in my life, and I am healed by the blood of Christ Jesus. A week or so before Christmas, my sister, my only sibling, fell. Her husband wasn't able to get her up, so she was ultimately taken by ambulance to the hospital. She's had serious health issues most of her life, and this and the events leading up to it seemed to be an accumulation of all of them. For a week, it actually looked like she might not survive, and I have concerns about her faith, so I was frantic, praying for her health, strength, being coherent, being able to eat, being able to go home, opening her heart to the Lord. One specific answer to prayer was that her daughter-in-law, who's a nurse, was able to come from Texas, somehow made sense of all her medications, was able to get her better care, and while she wasn't 
isn't ready to go home yet. She's now in a care facility and making good physical progress. And I continue to pray for her to place her faith in Jesus. I had been at my job for almost a decade and had worked hard to make my job my ministry. I tried to make connections with everyone I met. I was proud to be the upbeat, positive guy. However, in the last few years, we had gone through major overhaul in leadership, and each of these new managers had turned our warm and family-like atmosphere into a very cold and excluding place to be. I was demoted and my pay was cut. Although I was one of the longest tenured employees, I became one of the lowest paid. I prayed that my work situation would get better, but nothing happened to convince me that it would. I began searching for job listings and uploaded my resume to online job finding sites. Things were looking bleak. I finally got a call from someone I knew here at church. They had seen my resume and wanted me to come in and interview for a position at their business. I was so excited. After a couple of interviews, I was hired and have been at this new job since the summer. This new job is a 12,000 a year increase in my salary, as well as benefits I've ever had at my previous job. I cannot thank God enough for this new opportunity and the blessing that this job has been to me and my family. A friend of ours from Kurdistan has a niece that needed scoliosis surgery. They worked with the Shriners organization to come to the United States for that surgery. And we saw lots of answered prayer from the application process to getting the visas, to traveling to the United States. The surgery was successful and we got to spend Christmas Eve with those friends at the TFRC candlelight service. The entire process was not easy and God was in it all. April of 2023 found me diagnosed with stage three cancer. The summer months we were spent with 33 radiation treatments and seven chemotherapy treatments. Through it all, as word got out, people from all over the world prayed for me. As I walked each morning, I prayed for God's grace to let me accept whatever he had planned for me. Mid-October, a PET scan was done to look at the results of all the treatments. And the oncologist and I looked at the screen together and he stuck out his hand to shake mine and said, congratulations, you are cancer free. I appreciate all the medical help, advancements, and the wonderful folks at the Cancer Center, but I know that ultimately all glory goes to God. I'm here today able to say prayer heals. Please pray with me. Lord, thank you for giving your attention to the things we care about. And we confess that there are times when you answer our prayers and we don't even notice. But in this moment, though, we acknowledge you as the one true God from whom all good things come. Thank you for all the ways you have answered our prayers. Um, and Lord, help us see your presence in our lives this next year. And it's in the name of our Lord Jesus we pray. Amen. And so receive God's blessing. And in all likelihood, this was the blessing that Zechariah would have given if he would have been able to speak. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.